0: All right, all right. How's it going, Flagstone? Doing okay this morning? Awesome. Cool. We are glad that you guys are here with us today. I know that we are still finding our seats and enjoying ourselves. If you're joining with us online, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. Let us know in the comments uh, where you're watching from. And uh, just say, hey. We love, to, we love to talk and interact with you all. So thank you so much for being with us today. So we are at an awesome moment. We're right here. Uh, and for me, uh, my family, don't. I know the judgment's coming, but we put up our Christmas tree yesterday, um, so it's fun, yeah, don't laugh that loud, that's all right, um, but we put up our Christmas tree, and on the way here, I'm listening to Christmas music, so we're we're there. I talked with one of our teenagers, teenagers today, and they said it's the, uh, what is it, we're nearly almost to Christmas, we're nearly almost to Christmas, and so it's like, you know, almost to Christmas is like December 1st, but like we're... We're not there yet. We're nearly almost Christmas. Um, but as we're here and we're, we're uh, going to celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, if, if you're here with your, your families or if you're traveling, we definitely wish you well. Uh, there's going to be some busyness happening in the next couple of days for sure. Uh, but we're glad that you guys are here with us today. I'll let you know today uh, we're going to sing, we're going to worship, uh, we're going to pray, we're going to enjoy uh, communion uh, and really get uh, into the heart of what uh, communion is. And I'm exci- excited about those thoughts uh, as well. Um, and today we're talking about grace and continuing on our series, uh, Grateful, which I'm really excited about as well. Uh, and if you would, if you've got a bulletin next to you, go ahead and uh, open that up, scan the things that we have going on. Uh, we did Pack Shack last Sunday, which is great, so I'm glad to be back here uh, today. But there's lots of things that are happening. There's already some information and, and uh, uh, things online for our candlelight service that's going to be happening on Christmas Eve, uh, plus a couple of really cool things that are going on. So make su- definitely make sure to look through that. So I don't know if you guys are excited to be here today, um, but I'm excited to be here today uh, with you guys. I'm excited to worship, and I'm excited to to pray and to come into uh, the throne room, to come into the presence uh, of our God, this good God that we get to worship, and be thankful for uh, every day, and so I'm glad that we get to do that here today as well. So, uh, before we begin, uh, I'll uh, share a uh, prayer just to get us in there, and then Stephen will come us come up and lead us in worship. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful for all of the many blessings that you've given us, and God, throughout the next couple of days, uh, I pray that we can have those those things that we're thankful for on our minds, and that God, we can recount those things, we can bring those things into the front of our minds. Uh, because there's so much Uh, simply the the breath in our lungs each day and the opportunity to to live and to see and to to see your beauty every day is incredible so god thank you for this moment god i pray for each of us uh, that you'd be with us uh, this morning and the days after today and that you're able to open up our hearts to you and to your word that we can bring uh, the things that we experience in worship today bring those things with us into the next couple of days and share those with others uh, God, please bless uh, everybody that's here today, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's get on our feet. Good
1: morning, Flaxstone.
0: Oh, my goodness. Good
1: morning, Flaxstone. Hey, that tells me you're ready. Oh, 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 oh heaven is in my heart. Heaven is in my heart. Everybody sing. Oh, 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 oh. heaven is in my heart. Oh, 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 heaven is in my heart. In His presence, joy abounds. Heaven is in my heart. The light of holiness surrounds. Heaven is in my heart. Everybody sing. Oh. oh, 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 oh. Worship him in one accord, heaven is in my heart, everywhere. soon dissolve My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy rains unending love, amazing grace. My chains are. on me and like a flood his mercy, mercy raised unending love amazing grace. Everybody stop right there man. Isn't it pretty awesome that we get man we just get bogged down and we feel like The shackles are tight. We can't let them go. and We got burdens and we just can't let them go. Isn't it amazing that we have a God that's full of grace that can set us free? Isn't that great? We're going to sing it again. And let's sing it for what it is. It's great. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. One more time. My chains are gone.
0: I've been sad.
2: As we've already talked about this morning, we're going to be focusing on grace. And we're going to continue to look at that as we, we think about communion. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, I'm going to spend a little time there. Paul, Paul tells the story of grace. Um, starting in verse 1, he, he tells us of our present state, state. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And then as you move on to verse 4, he talks about God's intervention. But because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So he intervened for us. In verse 5, it says, As by grace you have been saved. Then as we move on, we, we have a reminder that uh, this is not from yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Uh, again, a, a reminder that this is not something we've earned uh, and not something that we can acquire on our own, but it it is a true gift. Uh, Paul discusses this this concept further in in Romans chapter 3, a familiar passage where he says that the grace of God comes through the cross. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. So that That cross is where Christ has taken us from from death uh, to life through the cross of grace. And that's something uh, that we can be thankful for every day, but especially as we enter the season of Thanksgiving. Um, That's something to be very grateful for. And I I hope that we can focus on that this morning as we we focus on communion together. Let's pray. Father God, you have given us uh, so much grace and mercy um, that is easy for us to take for granted sometimes, and we, we pray that that you help us to stay humble and to understand that this is not something that we've earned, uh, but that it's something that you've given us through your love, and that uh, it, it was very costly to you to send your son to die for us. God, be with us uh, as we partake of this bread and this fruit of the vine that we can focus on you and and set our minds towards towards the cross. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Let's stand for the song before the sermon. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. And it's higher than the mountains that I face. And it's stronger than the power of the grave. And it's constant in the trial and the change, this one thing. Remains This one thing Remains Your love never fails It never gives up It never runs out on me Your love never fails It never gives up It never runs out on me Your love never fails It never gives up It never runs out on me Your love Your love Yes, it overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never, ever have to be afraid. This one thing remains. Your love never Never fails, it never never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never never fails, it never never gives up. up. It never runs out on me. Your love never never fails, it never gives up. It never runs out on me, your love, your love. In death, in life, I'm confident, covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid, there's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Never fails, never, up, never, never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. This one thing remains. This one
0: thing remains.
1: You may be seated.
0: Good morning everybody. We doing good today? Nice. I heard one loud yes. I'm good for that. (laughs) I don't know about y'all. There's some sickness going around and if if it's not affecting you it's affecting other people and for me it's like I got a little bit of a little bit of the sniffles, a little bit of you know congestion, something like that. So I apologize. Don't get too close. Get as close as you want. That's fine. But just know it's in (laughs) it's in uh, you're, you're making a decision for yourself here. Uh, my name is uh, Brandon Dodd. I'm the youth minister here uh, at Flagstone, uh, and I'm really happy to be with you guys today. So let's, uh, if you will, let's go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. It's in the New Testament. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, if you're opening up your, your physical Bibles, look for the red. It's in the, in the right-hand side of your Bible if you need to get in the index. It's in the first four books of the New Testament. Luke chapter 7, that's where we're going to be. Uh, as we continue this series that Ma- that uh, Marshall started not too long ago called Grateful. Grateful. Um, and if you're like, man, you know how many times have we even talked about Grateful? Because last week uh, we were not in this building, but we were at the Pack Shack and we were packing meals. And so Marshall's been able to talk about great, Grateful and Grateful. Gratefulness is really uh, gratitude in action. So it's more—it's more than thankfulness. It's more than just saying, "Man, I'm I'm thankful for the things that I have." But because of the things that I have, I'm now moved to action. And so, if you were with us at the Pack Shack, uh, us as a church, we packed 16,556 meals altogether in four shifts, and that's incredible. And I just think it's there's a lot of really good work that was done. Uh, and if you helped and, and volunteered for that, you know how awesome and impactful that is. Uh, it's so, so cool. And I'm glad that we had the opportunity uh, to do that. And I came home, and I'm just smelling like, I don't know what exactly it was. I think it was garlic. It's just this garlic powder that you just come home and you just smell like it. Um, but uh, the smell of service, is that, is that what that smells? Something like that. Uh, so we got to put our gratefulness our thankfulness into action by using our hands and feet in, in order to bless this community. And all of those meals, they don't just go out. I know that a large portion of those meals actually come to the Salvation Army that's right here, right behind us. So our community, the people that are here, the people that are immediately in Flagstone's orbit get affected by that, which is so cool. Uh, and the teenagers, we celebrated Friendsgiving last Wednesday. And so everybody brought, uh, if you haven't, if you haven't heard or seen pictures of it, I encourage you to go and check it out because uh, I told the teens, okay, you each bring an item. You guys each bring some food. So on the table, I mean, we've got sushi, uh, we've got a KFC bucket, we've got tacos from Taco Bell, we've got, I think we had close to 30 burgers from McDonald's That are there, and you're all picking and choosing and eating and coming up with your plate of thankfulness, saying, "Yes, I would like some sushi and a McDonald's burger on the same plate. That would be great." Uh, But at the very end of that, uh, we packed blessing bags, which was super cool. Uh, And so each of the teenagers that were there either got to walk away with at least one, if not two, blessing bags that we put together with hot hands, some snacks, uh, Gatorade, uh, a sweet note from the Flagstone teens in those bags, and then we uh they, so each one of those teenagers that, that were there get to take one of those bags and put it in their car in their brother's car in their mom's car and any time that they're there and they see somebody that's around them that's in need they have an opportunity to take thankfulness and push it a step further gratefulness in action here is something that i can give you from our physical blessing and our physical uh, uh abundance and give that to somebody else and i challenge them this isn't this isn't just a physical act uh you, you this, this bag only goes so far. It'll, it'll keep them and, and keep them warm or maybe give them a snack that'll last about a day. But the things that last longer or say, man, what's your, what's your name? What's something I can pray for you for? And then right there at the stoplight or whatever it is, praying quick five-second prayer. It's gratefulness for what we have. And out of that abundance, we're compelled to push forward and do something in action, which is Super cool. So I'm really, really grateful for this church family and our attitude towards service. It's a part of our mission, and it's something that I think that we do often and do well. So I'm appreciative of you guys as well. Um, So the point of all of these things and what we do, there's, there's a certain goal. The goal is to extend the table, if you will. We're all, we're all here and we have a seat at the table and we're experiencing God's grace and God's love, but we're trying to extend the table, right? And we're all gonna do that here in the next couple of weeks, I hope, or the next couple of days, I hope, is we're gonna extend the table. You've got your, we're putting in the leaves. We're bringing out the chairs for some reason every single family has a kids table and no matter if you're 28 with with two foster kids you're going to be at the kids table no matter uh, some of us you know we might be close to our 40s and we still have got our parents or maybe even our grandparents around and that table back in the back in the dimly lit room where it's like that's where we put all the trash that's the kids table and that's where we're going to be um and that's where the kids are and that's fine and so we've got our tables but we're trying to extend it we're putting more chairs we're putting in the leaf right some of us i know from uh, flagstone or actually go into soup kitchens to go and serve. So let's put our, our thankfulness and gratefulness aside or thank you for my blessings. And you know what? I'm going to take a moment whenever we can indulge in, man, I'm so thankful that I'm so blessed. And let's put those to the sides and I'm going to go and serve other people. And that uh, it inspires me as well. But what we're trying to do is to create a space for extravagant grace, love, and connection. We're creating a space or a table, if you will, for extravagant grace, love, and connection. And so today we're pressing a little bit harder into our grateful mindset. uh, And we're moving, kind of like I said, from uh, material possessions and acts of gratefulness, which are super important that Jesus focused on, but we're moving from there into the heart of grace as a whole, the heart of grace as a whole, uh, as an outpouring of of the grace that we have been given. And so uh, these past few weeks, man, I've just been captivated by these verses here in Luke chapter 7. Um, It's this story of Jesus uh, and a woman of the city. Uh, We're going to be in verse 36. A woman of the city uh, and an arrogant and ignorant Pharisee named Simon. And if you're like me, it's one of those stories that you breeze over and breeze over quickly. Um, It's something that we know. It's something that we um, understand, but being able to experience it, I hope that we can do that uh, today. So, Jesus himself creates space at the table. And there's two characters that I want us to hold on to here, and it's this woman and this Pharisee named Simon. Both of them are broken, and both of them are in need of grace. But they, just like us, are invited into this table of grace. So, let's go ahead. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 36. Luke says this, he says, one of the Pharisees named Simon asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. Um, now these Pharisees, uh, these are uh, influential and respected leaders of the time, uh, specifically religious leaders, but definitely just within their orbit as far as like, oh man, this person is really important, these, these guys are definitely there. Now we have to ask the question, you know, why did Jesus, or why did he ask Jesus to attend this party? And it becomes obvious very, very quickly that it's not because he felt that he had a great need for a savior. Rather, the way that he treats Jesus is, is rather rude and discourteous. Uh, it was common in those days uh, for there to be an anointing of oil as soon as you walk in and, and you come to a, a feast or a, a party like this. There's anointing of oil, just a little bit of oil on top of the head and it's a sign of uh, respect. Uh, and then there's usually a kiss on the cheek Uh, and just as an initial welcome uh, and that's it just shows welcome and hospitality and then there's the basic courtesy as well as you know you're walking around uh, these places and you get dirt on your feet and muck and nastiness and, and and animal feces and who knows what else on your feet so if you're coming into a party if you're coming into a place where this this man is highly respected and he's hosting this feast this party that either this man or a servant of that man comes and washes the feet of uh, the people that come to the party especially a respected guest like jesus right but this man simon offers none of that and it's intentional because he is sending a message he's saying uh jesus you're you're this uh curiosity so much so that i like kind of wanna i wa- want you in my orbit because i want to just kind of like keep my eye on you you're this curiosity i look at but make no mistake you are definitely not an authority in my life and i'm not going to grant you the respect the basic respect that some people would have. So there's no mistake there. He deprives them of common love and respect. Verse 37, and behold, when a certain immoral woman of that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Uh, And it says here, a woman of the city, that's what some of our uh, translations say, or just a sinner. Uh, Now some scholars would look at uh, this particular word again and say, uh, well it kind of alludes to, uh, could be a prostitute, possibly an adulterous woman, or somebody that was involved in a dishonorable profession. Uh, you know, whatever it, whatever it may be, whenever uh, the Gospels use this, you know, sinner or especially woman of the city, know that there probably was some sexual misconduct there. Whatever it was, and we're, you know, not exactly sure, whatever it was, she was known because she is a woman of the city. The city knows who she is. The city knows what she's done, and it's no secret or mistake or misunderstanding the things that she does, and she comes and she enters into this place, Right? Um, so the city knows this woman, and, and Luke uses the word, and behold. Like, oh, it's shocking. Like, oh, she's there, right? And so uh, the really big question is, okay, what is she doing there then, right? Like, <laughs> I remember as a kid, like, is she breaking and entering? Like, how'd she get in here? Okay, she just, like, comes in like, hey, I've got perfume. And she's just breaking and entering and totally interrupting this party, and she just comes up to Jesus in the noise. Okay, uh, it's, it's not breaking and entering because it was common in those times during feasts and during really respected meals like this for people that knew that these respected people were getting together to have conversation, uh, for them to get together and to kind of line the walls of these spaces Um, and remember this is at a time whenever we don't have phones we don't have Netflix or Candy Crush or whatever it may be and so the entertainment for the day was to get together and to sit around and watch these two intellectuals spar for at least a couple of hours and so she is there and it's and it's not necessarily shocking that she's present because she's not breaking and entering it's not shocking that she's present it's shocking that she's present with her past that's the shocking part right because here is this man this pharisee which literally means holy and separate apart one and this dirty immoral woman is coming into that same space and we're not sure why she comes we can make some pretty pretty good and solid assumptions that at some point that she heard jesus now just a couple of just a couple of verses before that in the chapter before we've got the sermon on the mount or the sermon on the plain and this is whenever Jesus is talking about grace. He's talking about forgiveness and he's talking about how it's available to all. And so it could have been, and it's very likely, that she was either present or, or present at these moments and is witnessing Jesus. And he's t- as he's talking about, forgiveness and grace and mercy she's she's questioning in her mind's like man is that is that for real could that grace and could that forgiveness be possible even for somebody like me that is known as a woman of the city that is known as a sinner that as i'm walking through the streets that everybody knows and has pansi- passing glances and just kind of whispers to themselves like is that is that mercy and grace is that possible for me so i don't exactly know why she's there but whatever it is she had obviously heard jesus and his message so she heard where he was going to be finds out about this dinner but what is she what is she going to do whenever she comes into contact with jesus right maybe she has a question Uh, maybe maybe she's got uh, something specific that she wants to say maybe a sin that she wants to confess or a, a lifetime of sins that she wants to confess we don't exactly know but what we do know is that she grabs a bottle and it's expensive perfume And she courageously enters the house, passing by judgmental glances and little whispers of other people lining there. And she doesn't say a word. In this entire story, she doesn't say a word, but her actions speak so loud. In her silence, she's incredibly loud. Verse 38, and she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now remember that this is a special dinner, right? So at a lot of these special dinners, you would have a table in the very middle of it. And it most likely was about uh, coffee table height. So they're, they're sitting here and reclining because it's, the text is kind of interesting here. It's like, uh, so she knelt behind Jesus and wipes his feet. You know, so how does that work? So you've got this, this picture of this coffee table height thing that's lined with pillows. Uh, and you've got the meal and everything right there. And so Jesus is back Back behind, or whatever it is, and they're kind of like they're sitting, kind of reclining, laying down. And so, Jesus is right here next to Simon the Pharisee. They've kind of got their feet splayed out behind them. So, she's kind of behind him, right next to him, definitely in a spot where everybody can see her, everybody can hear her weeping, and she's anointing his feet at the same time. Now, get into this woman's head. What do you expect to happen? Uh, What did she expect to happen? Uh, she's. What is she gonna do? Is she gonna say thanks? Is she gonna ask questions? But one thing that's clear, as she gets close in proximity, she just starts weeping. She just starts weeping. I remember uh, reading this story and think watching these videos about a uh, St. Louis Cardinals game that came or that happened in 2019, uh, and it was a game that was a benefit game uh, for Transplant Awareness Month or Transplant Awareness Day, whatever it was, it was one particular game that was meant for those people. Uh, and in 2016, I believe, there's a man named uh, Donovan Bolger, who is 21 years old. Uh, and Donovan was involved in 2016 in a uh, fatal car accident, whenever he um, didn't make it, obviously. And he was a organ donor, and so actually his death brought life, saving life to many people. One of those people uh, named... John Swimmy, I believe is what it was, who was age 65. For five years, he had been waiting for, uh, or he had had heart failure, and so he had been waiting for a new heart, something to give him new life, and as you just sit there and wait, here it was, uh, the life of Donovan Bulger gave life to John Swimmy, and so here at this, this game in 2019, there's this chance encounter, because there's all these HIPAA laws and stuff where they're not supposed to know, all these things, and there's this chance encounter, because uh, Donovan's family is wearing uh, pictures of, of Donovan and they're going there to, to spread awareness. And as uh, John realizes that this is Donovan, this is, this is the family of the person that donated the heart to him, to him he comes up and says, man, are you, are you guys Donovan's family? Uh, because all he had gotten was a picture. And so the picture that, that they had on was a picture that he had received. And so here in this moment, I don't know if we've got the picture, here at this moment, this family is invited in to hear the heart of their brother or their son, which is crazy. And in this moment, obviously there's, there's tears, there's crying, the whole family's there. There's crying on both sides uh, because they get to hear the heartbeat of their brother and their, and their son giving life to somebody else who needs it. The reason I tell that story is because gratitude becomes tears and that's what happens here in this moment as well, seeing his dirty feet, Luke uses the word rain. Her tears rained down upon him. Well, that's, that's very, very intentional. Her tears are raining down upon him. And it's not subtle either, right? These aren't just the small stifled tears of an immoral woman that's experiencing forgiveness. This is loud, this is, loud. Uh, this is, this is uh, happening, and it's awkward, but it's beauty, right? Then she lets her hair down to wipe his feet with her tears. Now, the hair, hair was a symbol, especially for women back in, in those days. Of you always keep it up. You always keep it up. And the only time that you let it down is for weddings in front of your groom. And so, hair was a sign of uh, was was a crown and glory of Jew, of Jewish women It was only let down on wedding days. Uh, ben Stewart summarized this woman's uh, transformation in front of Jesus. He said this. Eyes that had once been painted up to attract men now wash the feet of Jesus. Lips that used to kiss the mouths of men now kiss the feet of her Savior. The hair, which was the uh, the, uh, Jewish woman's crown and glory is now loosed to wipe the feet of her dirty Lord and perfume that had once been used to attract men bought with money from her own life choices now pours out at the feet of her king, and a sweet fragrance fills the room. But the reason I love this quote so much is because that the sweet fragrance fills the room, and then a stench arose. And it's the attitude of the Pharisee Simon who's there, the host of this party. He says this in verse 39. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, and he said in his mind, in his heart, or he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, He would know what kind of woman is touching him because she is a sinner. The guy, obviously, has been sizing up Jesus this whole time. And in one fell swoop and with one thought of the mind, not even something that's out loud for everybody here, but in one fell swoop, he condemns her but also judges Jesus and sentences them both to his disgust. But the irony here is very, very visible but the very irony here is that the very prophetic ability that Simon says Jesus does not have, Jesus uses on him. Jesus is awesome. Just thinking in his mind, Jesus hears this man's arrogant heart. And so he says this in verse 40. Jesus answered this man's thoughts. And he said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And Simon says, go ahead, teacher. Who? Verse 41. Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 denarii to one and 50 denarii to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? It's a simple story, a, a, a quick and easy story. It's a couple of sentences, and that's it. Simple and short. One man owes 500, another man owes 50. A denarii in those days is like a day's worth of minimum, minimum wage, a day's worth of minimum wage, right? So a sizable amount. One had over a year's worth of work, and the other just a couple of months, but both were sizable debts, both unable to pay, both helpless, both in need of grace, both graciously forgiven, right? It'd be be like this, if the bank were to call you tomorrow, and just like, hey man, the holidays are coming up, and I know that we could all do just a little bit of extra cash, and so, and they say, man, your mortgage, like, it's gone, don't worry, we paid it off. It's perfect. Like, you don't have to worry about that again, you know? That money is yours. And some of you are thinking like, man, that will never happen. And you're right, it won't. It's never gonna happen, okay? It's crazy, it's nuts. Something like that would absolutely never happen. And yet, that kind of grace is delivered. Jesus asks a simple question. Who loves more after that? And uh, for Simon, this is a Sunday school softball. But he answers begrudgingly. He answers, Well, I suppose, in verse 43, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus uses the sinner to educate the religious. Jesus is saying, Simon, your problem is that you are cold to me because you don't think that you're that bad. This woman has felt the weight of her sin, and so she knows the true value of her Savior. In verse 47, he finishes this story up. And I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven only little shows only a little love. And then Jesus told the woman, your sins are forgiven. And the crowd gasps. The men at the table said amongst themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? But Jesus pays no mind to them because right now in this moment, it's just he and this woman. And he says, woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now before we step farther into the good stuff, I've got to tell you something that Jesus uh, is, is not doing. Jesus is not putting a premium on sin. Right? I remember thinking this as a kid reading this story okay right it's like okay well I guess that the the bank robber just has a better ab- appreciation of the sin because he sins so much that now he can love so much more right so you know there could be some of us in this room that's thinking oh yeah I guess I'm just you know doomed only to like him a little bit for the rest of this and I'm thinking you know maybe what we need to do is we just need to go off the deep end right I'm just gonna uh, go and just you know live however I want for a couple of lives uh, for a couple of years and stuff so that way you know just really amp up the testimony so that I can really come up and just be like man look at all the love that that I have now, because I see how much, and, and Jesus is not doing something like that, because uh, once you read in Romans, and we did that in our read scripture uh, stuff we've been keeping with us just a couple of weeks ago, you read in Romans, you know, shall we sin? Certainly not. Jesus's question to this Pharisee are that two people come with debt, one, two, two people come to with debt, graciously forgiven, who will live more? And the truth is, that more adoration comes when you realize the depths of your sin. More adoration comes whenever you realize your need for a savior. This woman of the city means she doesn't need to be reminded that she is in need in need of grace. She doesn't need to be reminded of all of the things, and, and they are many. All of these things that she's done and the things and the ways that she needs grace. She doesn't need to be reminded of that. And Simon, who is ignorant in his own arrogance, G- Jesus offers grace to both. In this story, all of the and pe- in the story that he tells, all the two men brought was debt. They brought nothing else except for debt. And it's graciously wiped. Grace leaps over expected boundaries and it's there for anybody that's willing to come to the table. So there's two thoughts here that I wanna suppress into just a little bit more. There's two thoughts here that I wanna suppress into that keep us away from this table of extravagant grace. And those two thoughts are this, that my sins are, uh, are not in need of grace and that my sins are too great for grace. My sins are not in need of grace, that's the first thought. And the second, my sins are too great for grace. Uh, Brandon's problem, sorry, Simon's problem is not necessarily the amount of sin, but rather the amount of sin realized. And I'll say it one more time. Brandon's problem, sorry, Simon's problem is not necessarily the amount of sin, but the amount of sin realized. Simon didn't think that he was in need of grace at all. And C.S. Lewis, he said it, he said it well whenever he said, of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. Of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst. And there's, I know, some people in here that have been hurt by the church, that have been burned by Christians and, and pushed away by Christians, and you know this all too well. Because I think some of the biggest turnoffs from the outside looking in is unrecognized hypocrisy. There's claims to be perfect when we're absolutely not. Christianity, by the way, does not mean living a perfect life. It means we're looking towards a perfect savior, realizing our own brokenness. But we claim, yeah, man, I've got it all together and I've figured everything out. And we try and, like, explode that to the world. Man, we're perfect. You need to be like us. Like, you guys are sinners out there. You're great like us. But we're obviously not. Like, can we we all agree for a second that we're not perfect? Like, not only that, but most of us are pretty messed up. Like, pretty messed up. Like, we've got, we've got some things that we really need to take care of, especially the things that we don't tell other people. Man, we're messed up. And guess what? Here at Flagstone, we believe that. <laughs> it's not a secret to know that we're messed up and that we're in need of a Savior. You're a mess, but that's what keeps us here. We all come in here every Sunday morning knowing that we're in debtors, in dire need of grace and forgiveness. There are no perfect people in here. And if you came in thinking, man, I'm surrounded by perfect people, we are messed up. You are messed up. I am messed up. So is Jesus here to attack Simon? Like, okay, man. <laughs> and, and I've kind of thought about this too. Jesus is here to attack Simon. This woman comes and anoints him. And then uh, Simon reacts in, in uh, you know, bitterness and anger and ignorance. And, and Jesus is like, yo, boom, here's a the theological uppercut, like right to the chin. Boom, you stink. No, not exactly. That's not exactly. What, he's, what is he trying to do? He's trying to save Simon. He's trying to save someone. He doesn't even recognize the fact that he needs grace. He doesn't recognize the fact that he needs Jesus. He doesn't, his, his, in his arrogance, he's ignorant of the fact that he too is a sinner that is in need of a saving God. He's trying to save Simon. He's trying to save Brandon. He's trying to, trying to save me. I remember driving on I-49, coming back from Houston. This is a couple months ago. Uh, and this, I'm just driving back and it's that, on that, that beautiful uh, flesh of road in between Alma and Here right, so just beautiful uh, scenic highway, that's all the way there, and we're driving, and I'm going a healthy, you know, five miles above the speed limit, so just, I'm trying to get home and stuff, but this guy (laughs) just zips by, and I sit there, I'm like, dude, look at that guy, that's great, I hope there's no cops, right? And as I, you know, traveling for probably 10 more minutes or so, and I pass this cop, and if you're, if you're uh, traveling with your spouse, you, you might know it all too well. And I'm obviously speeding, at this point, probably 5 to 10 over the speed limit, right? But I, I look at my wife and i was like, he's got me. Like this, you know, he's got me. I was, I was obviously doing it. Um, and he doesn't pull me over, but I remember going over in my mind a couple of times how this is going to work. Because you start, you start thinking like, oh yeah, but like, you know, not, not as much. So I'm thinking if he pulls me over, you know, what am I, I going to say, right? Because I'm going to be ready whenever this officer asks. He's going to be like, uh, excuse me, sir, were you speeding? And be like, yeah, but like compared to that, did you see that guy? Actually, he was going so fast, he probably just zipped right by you, you didn't even see him. That's why, okay? So, like, I mean, I mean, honestly, officer, if you were able to, if you got back in your car right now, you could probably, he's up there, black Camaro, like, you just go, you just take him, be good to go. Thank you for your time, roll up the window, you're good to go. Um, but that's, that's, that's what we do, right? Yeah, but compared to that other guy, we minimize the sins in our own lives and maximize the sins in others. And that's kind of our default, right? I want to be good. I want to be kosher with who I am. So I'm going to minimize the sins in my own life and maximize the sins in others. That's why Whenever we're late to work, we always had a valid, valid excuse, right? You're late to work or you're late to, you know, wherever. We're like, oh, man, but, like, this day has just been terrible, right? My kids were going crazy. Uh, you know, I was up late working on a project for work. And like, that's why I was late for work. Okay, we've always got valid excuses, and we've got lots of grace for ourselves. But whenever a coworker is late to work, it's because at their core, they are irresponsible, they are lazy, they're undisciplined, and also they're kind of ugly. So there's that, too. And so we, we, you know we've got so much grace for ourselves, and, and we're like, "No, nah, man, that's not who I am, but very quick to label irresponsible, undisciplined." And they've got a nasty face. Have you thought about that? And I asked myself, while I was looking at all this stuff, like, why, why is that true? And it truly could be social media. Um, You know, as we're sitting there and we're swiping and we're just looking and it's so easy for us to look at a single picture and a caption and to say, I'm better or I'm worse. I'm definitely better than this person, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on the come up. I'm almost there to this other guy. And we sit there and compare over and over and over. We don't even do it consciously either. Or maybe it's America's insatiable need to climb the corporate ladder. And so we look at ourselves. Uh, and we look down upon the peons that we stepped on to get to where we're at. And we look up in reverence and say, like, man, I'll be there eventually if I can just, you know, keep doing that. And, and we're using pride and arrogance to fuel that fire. And it's been like that. And it has been like that. Jesus tells a story a couple chapters later in Luke chapter 18 of this Pharisee and tax collector. Luke chapter 18, starting at verse 11. Jesus, t- Jesus tells a story. There's two guys. One's a Pharisee. The other one is a tax collector. So here, it's the same thing. One who is obviously in need of grace and forgiveness, that's the tax collector, and one who apparently feels like he is not. Verse 11, they, uh, both of them come to the temple to pray. The Pharisee goes and he stands by himself and he prays out loud this large, extravagant prayer. And he says, God, I thank you. And you can't fault him because he thanks him in the next verse for all of the good things, all the good things that he's given, given him. I thank you, God, that I am not like these other people cheaters, sinners, adulterers, adulterers, he's looking at this other man, and certainly not like that guy, thank you, God, that I'm not like him, but I do tithe, and I do give much, so here's the material possessions that we've talked about, and he's thanking God for those things, he says, God, I know that you've given me much, so I'll give out of those things, but he withholds the most important thing, and that's the love, and the grace, and the forgiveness that another human being inherently deserves, right? Right? So we use our comparison to drive our need for grace instead of the sin that's present in our lives. And that's Simon's problem. Simon's saying, hey, but look look at the amount of her sin. Look at that. Do you see? Oh, her sins, and they are many. Look at this. Can we, can we just capitalize on the fact and the shock value that she is here around us? Look at the amount of sin. But instead of that, he needs to say, man, I am also in need of a savior right? So I I drew up a graph to kind of show us where we're going, okay? Uh, Can we go ahead and put that up there? Possibly. I'm going to use youth group kiddos as examples, and I want to let you know as we've got these right here. uh, All of these, all of these youth group kiddos, all uh, older teenagers that are leaders in our youth group, love Jesus, love God, love others. Fantastic teenagers, but Carly, she's got a problem, well, but not as much as a problem as Fletcher. Fletcher, where you at? Sorry, bro. Hey, I see you. Right? Because I because we know Fletcher. Holy, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not not quite as bad. as well, We're, we're going to get there, but Fletcher's definitely a little bit worse than Katie because I mean, but but worse than but worse than Carly because she's done a couple more things. She know, she has a couple more a more sins that people know about. But it's Tyson Brown, the preacher's kid, right? really takes the cake, okay, really takes the cake, okay, and we know what Tyson Brown has done, we I mean, go, look at that, okay, we know what he's done, we can see his sins out loud, we know it, we recognize it and see it, and Carly can say, thank God that I am not like Tyson Brown, right, and then, and then you've also, is that, no, let's say Bridget, it's going to be Bridget. Bridget, she's, she's kind of there in the middle, but like we can look and size ourselves up and say, man, well, at least I'm not like that guy. And that's what human beings do, right? Man, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ca- characterize myself by the presence of sin. I'm going to characterize myself by at least I'm not like them. I forgot to show y'all uh, the branding the Brandon graph right there is is nonexistent, um, completely contrary to everything that I'm saying right now. But we can look at those, and we do that. Think about that in our lives, we look at people, and it's very easy to look at and just make a comparison. Well, they cuss and I don't. Boom, I'm better than them. Well, I might cuss, but at least I, uh, you know, parent better than them. Okay, well, I'm a pretty terrible parent, but at least I didn't murder somebody. Oh, well, I, I may have murdered somebody, but at least I didn't murder two people. And it's just like, man, where, where does it start? or where, where, where does it stop? And Isaiah tells us, man, that God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways, because although this is the way that we look at it, God looks at it from an eternal perspective, and instead of this skyscraper view that we can look at the skyscraper that here's in front of us, instead God looks at it in a different way. Go ahead and go to that next slide. Skyscrapers versus the overall, the overall, right, the overhead. So he looks at us and whenever we compare and see other people's stuff and say, man, I'm at least I'm better than them or something like that. God looks, and instead of amount of sin, he asks the question, have you sinned? Not amount, have you sinned? Because this looks very different because each of us can say, yeah, but amount is different, and yeah, you know, maybe the consequences of my sins are bigger than this, you know, I may have stolen a candy bar, but, you know, the consequences of stealing a candy bar and murdering somebody are vastly different, and I think that's part of the reason why we use comparison of like, yeah, but nobody's hurt with this, but, you know, there's huge consequences to murder, so I think that's where our comparison comes in, but God doesn't look at it like that. He looks at it like, have you sinned? Check the box. Yes, you have. You're in need of grace, Tyson is in as much need for grace as Carly and Bridget and Katie and Fletcher and all of us in here. Are we in need of grace? Check the box. Yes, because we've all sinned. We've all lied. We've all cheated. We've all done something like that. And it's easier to feel better about yourself whenever you compare, but God's thoughts are higher, higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. It's not about the amount of sin, but the simple presence of sin in our lives. And scripture says that the presence of sin Is deserving of eternal punishment. Have you sinned once? Yes. Scripture says that we're in dire need of a savior because that one sin, that one time, deems us to an eternity in hell. Where is our hope? Where is our grace? Now we need to strive for a life that is free from sin altogether, right? And because God looks at it like this, you know, should we sin more? Should we do, in Romans, you know, says that we shouldn't. But don't you dare put more value on your life And allow yourself to judge and condemn whenever there's sin present in all of us. Don't you dare do that. Because I think that Simon was a 500 denarii person after all. He just didn't know it. Uh, As many of you guys know, uh, I've been, me and my wife have been in foster care uh, for the past almost 10 months now. Uh, And it's a equal parts challenging and beautiful experience. Uh, Man, I love these babies. Um, And they're amazing. They're God given beauties. Um, I would die for them in an instant to give them more time. They're amazing. Um, And you guys are going to have to forgive me because I have to talk in generalities because of the sensitivity of the situation. But there are human beings within my orbit um, that I have sentenced to my hatred there's been a s- specific moments where I have looked at somebody in the eyes and thought in my heart, I hate you. I hate you. And I'm grateful, man, for uh, for guys and girls and people, especially in this building and online, that have held me down with grace and truth, with scripture, and have held up a mirror at times with full of grace and truth. Because I, I have, I've, I've, I've told... Towed the line in between, man. This is this is anger that's okay. This is this is God given anger that I'm angry for justice, and I'm angry for you know God's will to be present, and I'm angry, and I'm sentencing people to my hatred. So I tow the line, and there are there have been times, there were, and sometimes there are times whenever I say, man, I would happily and gladly give you a long list of everything that these human beings have done, and I would do so with happiness and malice in my heart in front of all of you. I'm ashamed that there were and that there are days that I could write lists of why people are undeserving of grace and love, and I would do so happily. And in God's grace and mercy, he showed me my heart. And I'm happy to judge and condemn because what C.S. Lewis said was true. Of all bad men, religious bad men are the worst because that's me. I'm Simon. I'm the one that needs grace. Grace for a cold and flinty heart. And there's grace even for me. And the second thought that keeps us away from the table of grace is that my sins are just too great for grace. My sins are too great for grace. And just like the woman, some of us don't need to be reminded that our sins are many, right? Because we see our sins and they're before us whenever we look in the mirror every day and we see them and we don't need to be reminded of those things. We wake up and we feel like our reputations go before us just like the woman of the city. Everybody knows who I am. Everybody knows the things I've done, the mistakes that I've made. And so you know what? If that's what people are going to see me as, I'm just going to walk in step with that. Why try and be anything different because that's who I am. We don't need to be reminded of those things. Remember what could have drawn the woman there to Jesus, right? Jesus says something to her, whatever it is, says something to the crowd about grace, forgiveness, mercy, whatever it is, and something that Jesus said resonated in her and opened up her heart and her heart swelled Uh, we watched uh, the Grinch, the new Christmas, the new Grinch that stole Christmas yesterday while we're putting up the tree. And he like said, "The judgment is fine; it's all good. We're, don't worry about it." Um, but we're watching that, and his, and his heart grew three sizes. Right? She's sitting there, and she's hearing Jesus, and she says, "Man, is that is that is that true? Is that grace really available to me?" Is that possible that my sins can be wiped away off the the planet? Is that possible? And so she's compelled and she understood her brokenness. She didn't sit there and have the facade, oh no, I'm I'm fine. She stood and understood her brokenness and she believed in Jesus' saving power and she was compelled, man. She was ready to risk it all to get close to him. She doesn't know what to do, she goes home and she grabs the most expensive, the most beautiful, the only thing that she has. This jar, alabaster, beautiful jar of ointment. And she goes and she brings it to her savior. And you know what? She doesn't care about the judgmental glances anymore. She doesn't care about the people that are talking behind her back. All that she knows is that Jesus is here and is offering grace and she's gonna run and she's gonna go and she's gonna get as close to Jesus as possible because Jesus really does offer that kind of grace and that kind of forgiveness. And whenever she comes to Jesus, just like we do, with nothing to offer except for brokenness and debt, Many of us think, i got to get my life together before I can come to the Savior. I've got to stop cussing before I can come before the Savior. I've got to get uh, my finances. I've got to get my relationship with my spouse. I've got to get my relationship with my kids. I've got to get these things good before I can come to, to Jesus. And you know what Jesus says? Bring all that stuff, man. Because all that we bring our Savior is debt and brokenness. And that's exactly what he wants us to do, that we come with, with hands high and hands empty. Jesus, I have nothing to give except for my brokenness. And Jesus responds to that. Look at, look at this verse again. Jesus said to the woman in verse 48, your sins are forgiven. Verse 50, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now, it wasn't the act of washing Jesus' feet that was the love and the faith and stuff like that. It was faith that drove her there. Faith that she said, "Man, is that really possible?" Faith to find out where he's going to be. Faith to stand outside the door and just wonder, "Man, clutching her alabaster jar, can I, can I, can I go in? Is that, is that really there?" Faith to take the first step and say, "Man, I don't care. I'm running towards this savior. Let's go." And it's a, de- it's a decision that she had to believe this homeless preacher's claims. So she, her, in faith, she grabbed a jar and in faith she stood outside the door that drew her in, and the, and the words that Jesus is use, uses here in verse. Uh, 48. Your sins are forgiven. That's very intentional, Um, and it's uh, this particular phrase, your sins are forgiven, is in the perfect tense. Now, we don't even have uh, that tense here in English, but basically uh, what it means is that it is completely done. Her sins are completely done and are completely forgiven, and the implications of that race into infinity. They race into forever. So not only are her sins forgiven, her sins, and they are many, completely washed, covered, and it runs to forever. Her past is gone. You're free. You've been forgiven much. She stands there in front of her king, blameless. So why is it tough for many of us to grab hold of that uncomprehensible grace? That's why. This grace is incomprehensible. The only thing that she had to offer was her old life of brokenness. And Jesus said, I've got more than enough grace for that. Here's my trade offer. I'll give you my life of brokenness, the whole thing. And Jesus says, I'll give you all the grace that you need. I've got it all. What kind of a trade is that? That is the kind of grace and the kind of love that God has for us, right? And many of us think that's possible, impossible. There's no way that God could love a sinner like me. Many of us have sat there, are sitting there, are gonna sit there in the future. My sins are just too much to receive that kind of grace. And James makes it clear. I'm gonna put three, uh, three scriptures on right here. and Just, just pick one. James 4, chapter, or James 4, verse 6 says that he gives greater grace. Uh, go ahead and name that sin the one that you think that you can't be forgiven for, he's got greater grace for you. There's no way that he's got greater grace. Yeah, but I've greater grace. No matter what, there's a greater sign right next to it. Well, here's where I am. I've lived an entire life of brokenness. God gives greater grace. Does that not make sense? It shouldn't. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, that kind of grace that he gives us. So the truth is that you cannot out-sin God's ability to offer grace. You think you've gone far? probably there's greater grace. I've lived my entire life. There's greater grace. Name your sin. Go ahead. Whatever it may be, God offers greater grace. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, he says, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace leads the way. Grace is always there, and that's before us. If I'm walking step in my sin, grace is there meeting us with every single step. Right? Where where our trespasses and our sins increased, grace increased on top of it. And John offers in John 1 verse 16, for from his fullness we've received grace upon grace. The Greek here is literally grace that's heaped on top of grace, right? So here's a pile of grace, and then there's a pile on top of the pile of grace, right? And some of us are going to experience this on Thursday, right? You're sitting there, and you're like, grandma, can I have some more? And she's like, yeah, you're like there is no way she's like you want some more and you're like no and she's like and it just keeps coming You're like there is no way that i'm gonna eat all this grandma no please stop like it's happening i'm gonna have to like eat all this stuff but that's what's happening here just whenever you think that god's grace has been tapped out just whenever you think that god's grace is, is enough or that it's there he's heaping it on he's giving more and more helpings of your favorite thanksgiving food it's grace piled on grace piled on grace uh, it's incredible. It's more grace than we can handle or accept or devour. And God's grace is just running towards us. It searches us out and it overextends and it never runs dry. So my friends, there's a declaration that both the woman and Simon need to hear. A declaration that to those of us that feel like they aren't in need of grace and those that feel like they can't, grace can't possibly cover what they've done, it's a simple and incomprehensible truth. That my sins have been wiped away by extravagant grace. And if you're taking notes or writing things down or tapping it on your phone or putting it in your comments, whatever it is, mark out my and put your name. Brandon's sins have been wiped by, away by extravagant grace. Tyson's sins have been wiped away by extravagant grace. Carly, Bridget, Fletcher, they've been wiped away by extravagant grace. That's you. This is personal. This is personal. You yourself, your sins have been wiped away by extravagant grace. And the cross is at the center of it all. And I'll finish with these thoughts. Uh, whenever qu- uh, Christ uh, dwelled among us, uh, he allowed himself to serve physical needs generously. The thing about the, the physical needs, right? He provided food water. He fed He fed people, and, and not only just filling up filling up their bellies with food, uh, but he's he's healing. He healed the crippled. He healed the blind, the leprous, the deaf, those kinds of things as well, and, and uh, there's, there was a time early in Mark uh, whenever he stayed up all night long. Jesus stays up all night long healing physical needs. He's sitting there in this house, and it says, from the time of the sunset to the sun rose, Jesus is sitting there, and he's healing people all night, and that's a big focus of him, and he's coming, and he's healing people's healing people's uh, uh, deformities and their brokenness. So he's healing all of those things, right? But it's almost always accompanied the physical needs. He almost always accompanied the physical needs with the deeper and internal needs. Your faith has made you well. Grace has saved you, and there's grace to you. And many of us, we follow suit with that as well, and it's, and it's a little bit easier for us to do the former. I'll provide for the physical needs, I can write a check to the Salvation Army. I can come to Pack Shack and I can pack. And it's beautiful and it's full of grace and it feeds and meets the needs of our community. We can create blessing bags and put it in our car and make sure that we're there and that we give that to them. And we need to do all those things. This is is exactly what Marshall talked about two weeks ago in his intro lesson to this, right? And our physical needs are important. And out of the overflow of our physical needs, there's an expectation to give generously from a grateful heart, but Jesus recognized that physical needs only go so far. They're gonna eat that meal, they're gonna take that blessing bag, and they're gonna eat it, and it'll be over. But God healed what was most important. He offered grace to what was most important, and that's our hearts. We have to do both. Out of the abundance, we give generously, and we, and we feed generously, but we do so with grace and mercy offered at the same time, just like Jesus does. Man, aren't you grateful that God offers himself, or that God himself offers more grace than we can even comprehend? More grace than we can even comprehend. And it's time we offer that same grace to others and ourselves on both sides of the table. I don't have <laughs> this in my notes, so this one's free. Um, I was having a... Uh, a conversation with one of my other youth minister friends, and he was like, yeah, I've got a couple of grace growers in my group. I was like, what? A couple of grace growers? He's like, oh yeah, you know. And this is a youth minister, and he's like, yeah, man, I just got some teenagers that's just like, they are teaching him to have more grace (laughs) because they're a lot. Um, And he said some other spicier things that I can't repeat from right here, but um, he's like, man, they're grace growers. And you don't think about it like that. The people that are in our lives are like, man, uh, if we could just like get them, get them out, my life would be a lot better. Uh, the people that are causing me the most trouble, if we could just like, God, whoop, God, if you could just rapture only them or like just push, I don't know, like, and you know, you could get a little darker and stuff, that's fine too, that's fine. Get them out, uh, then my life would be a lot better. But he, something that he articulated to me was like, man, God is teaching me about grace through them, like. My ability to offer grace hinges on the fact that I've got people that are in need of grace in my life. And so he's like, man, they're grace growers. Yeah, is it tough? Absolutely. Yeah, sometimes I just want to, you know, push them to the side and get them out of there. Yeah, absolutely. But what if God has placed them directly in his life so that he can teach this youth minister how to offer more grace, not only to students but to people, to human beings? And as we're sitting there uh, finishing up our blessing bags last, last Wednesday with the teens, uh, we, talked, we talked about. We finished up our bags and we took a picture and we said, man, this bag is great and it's going to help for one day and I'm really, really proud of the things that you have done and by all means, go and make more bags. Go and buy more of this other, other stuff and pack bags and make it happen. But what we want to do is offer something more significant at the same time too. Man, ask them their name. What's, what's your name? And ask them, man, if, if, we, if, you could, if I could pray for one, one thing for you, what could that be? 99.9% of the time, People are not going to refuse prayer. And so they'll tell you, and right there at the stoplight, even if it turns green, you're praying a five-second prayer of, man, God, we love you. God, we see you. And God, there's grace and there's hope available to you too. There's grace and hope available to you too. In Acts chapter three, Peter meets a crippled beggar that's asking for money, right? He's asking for money uh, and he's, he's making a loud noise and stuff and Peter comes up to him and he says, uh, silver and gold I don't have, Because he doesn't. He's this poor homeless man, basically. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. If this man had known what could possibly happen in his life, he probably wouldn't just be asking for money. He probably wouldn't just be asking for food. He'd be asking for extravagant grace that's available to him. And so Peter says, man, money and gold, or, you know, silver and gold I don't have, and by all means, if he had money and gold, he'd give it to him as well, but I give you something different. I give you what I do have, and it's the love of Christ, and that love of Christ healed this man. He gave him extravagantly more, and Jesus offers any more. So wherever you are today, know that you don't have to bring your perfection to Jesus. He actually doesn't want that. No checklists, no extravagant offering. He doesn't need it. You need only bring your brokenness and the realization of your need for a savior. Jesus invites you to the table where grace runs wild and free, and it's available to you now. If you've never accepted that kind of grace before, know that it's 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 here now, and you're in a safe place. You're in a safe place that's free from judgment. Yeah, we get. We'll, we'll pray for grace to abound all the more, and for us to partner together to move our lives to look closer to Jesus. And if you've never accepted that before, know that it's here now. And if you're like me, you needed to be humbled by God's generous grace to others. He's inviting you too, along with my cold and flinty heart. He's inviting us. If you need to talk, we can talk here. We can talk at the back um, right after we stand and sing. Thank you, guys.
1: as i am without one plea but that thy blood was shed. I come empty to be filled, I come guilty to be pardoned by the
3: I've got to say, I know Stephen mentions this and Jordan mentions this, but to be able to be up here in the front and see everyone singing out like that and praising the Lord like that, it's, it's really something, really something special. It's great to see everyone out this morning. We especially good to see many of our uh, college students that are home and other family members that are here for the holidays, and it's so great to see everyone. Uh, please make sure that you uh, take the announcement sheet, read through our announcements. We have various things going on. I will tell you this. Um, I can speak from an insider's perspective, uh, there is no bonfire at the Stowballs house tonight for the teens, so <laughs> please do come and be there at 6, uh, along with parents, we're having our parents connection group as well, but there will be no bonfire, sorry to disappoint. Um, please do um, give, we have various opportunities to give through our online and through our basket in the, in the entry area. I've got a really quick story I want to share. And I, know, I know everyone's been very patient and attentive this morning. Really quick, uh, I had this opportunity to participate in a kind of a lunch banquet thing on Friday. And uh, one of the uh, senior executives at one of the, our largest employers in, the, in northwest Arkansas was speaking. And, and it was really, it wasn't boastful. She was really providing a testimony. And it was so powerful. I just wanted to share it, because, especially because of this time of year. But she said about 15 years ago, she, she had a clear calling from the Lord. And, uh, you know, the Spirit moved her she needed to use her role and her her experience and her position to connect and share the gospel with those around her specifically in the workplace the funny part about it was she wasn't even in the workplace she had taken uh, she had left work to have babies and so she first had to get back into the workforce okay so that was an amazing story about how that worked and then she has obeyed and, and you know nobody's perfect and she was clear to point that out but she has obeyed and she said the terrifying thing is I never knew what I needed to say to these people, but I knew that the Spirit was going to act if I initiated the conversation. And i I'll share that today. The timing was perfect. I felt like this time of year, you know, we're all around, uh, m- many of us are around family that maybe we're not around very often. Uh, you know, some of us are off work for a little while. We may be interacting with new people, maybe whether it's in the grocery store waiting in line to check out with all these groceries. And then also coming into the Christmas holiday, uh, it's the perfect time of year. If you've never done it before, it's the perfect time of year to take that first step in engaging other people and then let the Spirit work through you and what what needs to be said to them. And so I just want to encourage you with that. And uh, let's have a quick prayer, and we'll close in song. And and, uh, everyone have a, a, a blessed Thanksgiving week this week. Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We're so thankful for this church family we're thankful for uh, the spirit that moves through our ministers here and, and others that, that serve here. We're so thankful that that we have them here and, and that they have such a heart for you and and uh, uh, wisdom from the word and through the spirit. Father, we, we're so thankful for this time of year and and so many of us get to spend time with family and, and enjoy each other's company and maybe grow closer to one another. Father, may we look outwardly, may we not look inwardly and selfishly, maybe we, May we seek the needs of others and take action on that. May we, even if we've never done it before, may we take opportunities to, to share the gospel and share your love with others that so desperately need it and that, that, uh, that we get to, to take advantage of and reap the benefits of so often, Father. We ask that we, you move our hearts to share with others. Father, uh, please go with us this week. Um, be with us. Let us be shining lights to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Let's stand as we close. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of Glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless and awe and wonder? The King of Glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. That you would bear my cross.
4: That
1: you you laid down your life. You lay down my life. That I would be set, be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is a lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the king who conquered the grave. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy, was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love Have a blessed week, everybody.